<laughs> Did you just fall in the toilet? <laughs> What's happening? It has some name like the pit of everlasting darkness or falling or something. I'll trust your memory over mine. You good? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rancid Taco Movie Review Podcast. I'm Skylar Sanders, here with my cohort and partner in crime, Mason Weir. And we are doing part two of part one of <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Right now, picking up where the Fellowship is has been formed and they're taking off out of Rivendell. And before we get started, there were a couple things you wanted to correct, you said? Oh, there were some corrections from the last episode, and this is probably going to happen a lot in these because it's such a vast history that it's hard to remember everything that happens. So <laughs> in the last episode, I said that Galadriel gave Gandalf the ring Narya, the ring of power. Yeah. And that's false. Kieran gives Gandalf the ring uh, when he comes back or when he's sent to Middle Earth. Um, also, uh, another just a clarification Gandalf interrogates Gollum in Mirkwood, not Lothlorien, which is what I said. Uh, so he is uh, Strider or Aragorn has captured Gollum and they take him to Mirkwood where he's held captive. And that's how Gandalf finds out about Shire Baggins through his interrogation of him. And that's, okay. and that's, that's not in the movie. That's not in the movie, no. And that's 17 years after Frodo was given the ring. So that's So when we talk about it, it seemed like like the movie cuts right back to it, and we don't know how much time has elapsed. But in the in the book, seventeen years has elapsed. In the movie, it seems like a week or two has gone by. So we they're not. It doesn't say that time has not elapsed, and it also doesn't feel like time has elapsed. So that's kind of misleading. So in the movie, it's it's a plot hole, but Tolkien had no plot hole. He yeah, wrote, he wrote out the story. Yeah, so there's the, so he finds out that Gollum has told the the enemy about Shire and the Baggins, and that would explain why Aragorn knew that the Wraiths were chasing Frodo as well. You you have to assume yeah. Aragorn and Gandalf yeah. were well. In they're in, yeah, they're in tight league. So so uh, Gandalf has has like the Rangers double their watch on the Shire whenever whenever he becomes suspicious after Bilbo's party. So that's that's fair then. That mm-hmm. that's what happened. That's that's how Gollum gets away with. I guess yeah. everything except why would he go to Mordor or how did he end up at Mordor? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. We don't know how he gets captured by the enemy, but he does. Maybe he's searching for Frodo and the enemy captures him. I don't know, but but at yeah. that point, how would they know who he is? Like. That's the thing about Tolkien is it, it it can always be talked out and explained, but he's not he's sometimes very vague, so you're left to kind of draw your own conclusions, I guess. He he could have got captured by goblins in the in the mountain he was in. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the was it the Misty Mountains? Yeah, in the, in the Misty Mountains, yeah. Cuz there so, were yeah. a shitload of goblins in there. There were. So who knows? Who knows? you know, how, how it actually happened. 
next up, the the eagles were messengers of Manway, the god of wind. Like the he's the the main uh, or the angel of wind, sort of. He's he's the main head angel. I couldn't remember his name. Manway. Yeah. Manway is the as the eagles are messengers of Manway, and also Gandalf is sent by Manway, so it would make sense that him and the eagles are tight because they're both working for the same boss, essentially. You cursed Manway because you couldn't remember the name Manway. Yeah. If it was Payman, I'd have remembered it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You should hail Payman right oh, away to, hail- to atone for our sins here. <laughs> Let Payman bring us a good, uh, smooth episode here with no overlapping. Please, no overlapping. Hail Payman. Yeah. And I think in the, in the uh, last episode, I said Glorfindel killed a dragon. But yeah, you said he killed a dragon, and you said he killed a Balrog. You so that's both. that's half true. He he did kill a Balrog, and he battled a dragon, but I don't think he killed the dragon. So, well, so, that doesn't impress me that much. He's not yeah. that mighty. No, that's absolute confirmation of his mightiness. Okay, Bard the Bowman killed a dragon. Okay, but Gandalf died fighting a Balrog. So we'll see if he. If he died fighting the Balrog. Oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Come on, man. No one's seen this movie yet. Oh, shit. Well. All right. Let's, let's get into it from right. where we left off then. Okay. Unless you have more corrections. No, nope, That's the last one. Nothing else, huh? Chlorfindel. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the hobbits are, are badass <laughs> at throwing rocks. Okay. Right? I would like to officially say that, yes, I did not know that the... I did not remember reading the line. Like, I vaguely remember the line now that it's been brought to my attention. But it's such a small line about the hobbits being accurate with rocks. Oh, my God. It's such... It's like, I have, literally... I can't cite an actual page for you, but it's exactly. a defining trait of hobbits. It, you can't cite a page. It's like one line on one small section about describing hobbits. And for some reason, you've clung to it. And now you think that the... That the hobbits are just expert rock throwers and like they are it's right. like did you, I, you I would movie, i would right? argue i would argue that they're no better at throwing rocks than aragorn or oh, boromir gosh. it's just that they're small yeah. and they have to throw rocks you're really doubling down here <laughs> there are two instances of lethal rock throwing by mary and pippin we don't know movie. that we don't know that it's lethal, lethal those orcs could be unconscious uh, no all right so you're not going to work unconscious those orcs are twice your size, dude, and you're throwing rocks at them and knocking them out it's imp- in the head it's imp- every time. It's impressive that they hit them in the heads. I'll give them that. They're accurate with their rock throwing, but it's Batman it's like, doesn't kill people, and and no one says he's any less of a superhero. Listen, it, it, I'm I'm conceding that I didn't know the line, and yes, they're good at they're good at throwing rocks. They are awesome. It's, at th- it's literally at it's literally rocks. something that only you and Peter Jackson remembered from reading the stories. Everyone remembers the hairy feet. At what point do they accomplish anything with their hairy feet? Uh, how about other than walking on those rocks? How about walking through the snow in Caradras when they're going through Caradras, like and it's deep ass snow in the mountains? You can't go through that barefooted with regular feet. That that'd die the hypothermia. The hobbits were slowing them down. Boromir even said this will be the death of the hobbits. Yeah, that, but with with our regular human feet, like if Boromir would have been barefoot, he wouldn't even made it up there. He didn't have hairy feet, hairy tough feet like the hobbits. And since you've read the books more recently than me, doesn't Legolas walk on top of the snow because he walks he light as a feather? He does. He actually does it in the movie too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So he. 
he actually like just hops up on the snow and prances across it like the nimble little elf he is. And the the uh, hobbits get kind of trapped in the snow in the book, right? Yeah, everybody is except for you know the asshole. The elves are just a bunch of fucking show offs. They're always oh man, you're such a hater of the elves. Well, no, I love the elves, but they're constantly doing things where they're just like, oh yeah, you know, they are the like original race. They are the they've been around. For, well, they're they've been they're around badass, for, but they're humble. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They've been around for thousands of years, and they are. You know, they just do everything better than everyone else. And it's, it's, I'm not hating on them. I'm just saying, like, hanging out with one would probably not be fun. No, Legolas seems all right. Yeah. It's he, like, he's quiet. It's like, even the elves, like, are trying, they're, they're getting ready to leave Middle Earth. They're like, well, we don't even really care about your problems anymore, but all right, we're going to help you. Yeah. Take the ring. And this is what you should probably do. And yada, yada, yada. But we're out of here. Like, you know, yeah, you just, they're always giving out gifts like uh, like they're someone's daddy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, we're going to let you choose your own path, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but we're going to urge you onto that path and show you exactly what you should do. This is skirting the argument of the rock thing. that We're going off on a tangent. Fact of the matter is, you were wrong about the rocks, but I'm still going to point out all the rocks. Listen, I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't wrong. I just didn't notice that. Okay. <laughs> there's lot, I definitively there's, won there's, the first podcast. That, that, listen, I, if I, like, it, when you say that, it's like I led you completely through the whole world of Middle Earth like you were, like you were Bill the Pony. And then at the end, you pushed me into the water with the watcher and said, <laughs> bye, win. No, yeah. nothing like that. That's... But we'll keep it more specific instead of that overgeneralization. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, so, fellowship part two for us starts out with Aragorn examining the sword in, in a sword room late at night. It's the sword that cut off Sauron's finger and, and broke in half. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elrond shows up and tells him he's the only one that can wield it. So, they talk about his kingly uh lineage a little bit and it's kind of it's one of the more boring subplots for me in the movie i don't care so much about him and the kingship or his relationship with arwen or elrond well it's it's important to know that aragorn was fostered by elrond so they're familiar with each other like elrond aragorn's father died and uh fighting with elrond and elrond took him in as a as a foster child basically and hid him from the dark Lord. So the dark Lord has been searching him for him and trying to eliminate the bloodline of, of a Len, uh, a Sildor and, uh, whoever a Sildor's father was Erandil. And Erandil. Yeah. And so LSR is also another word that's in there in his, in his story. Uh, well, he's called, he's called Erasar later whenever he becomes King. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Or LSR, yeah. So it's important to know that that Aragorn is on is of a super royal lineal lineage, and he's yet to find his place in the world because only later in his life was it revealed to him that he is the king that shall be, you know, that, that is destined to take the throne or die trying. So he's supposed to be the king of Gondor. He's the last of the line mm-hmm. of. It's it's the Dunedain, right? Also the Numenorians. Yeah. Is that the same thing? Yeah, yeah. The original race of men, like he's the purest of the original race of man left. 
so since Gondor is the greatest kingdom of men, he's meant to be the king. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the heir to the throne. But okay. but the throne is being held by the stewards, which is uh, Denethor, Boromir's father. So there's a lot of political strife going on because Denethor doesn't want to give up the stewardship and also Boromir is his son that's next in line so he's sort of trying to preserve power so Boromir is the next in line to lead lead the people of Gondor but Boromir and Aragorn don't really have a bad relationship no they don't well I mean they kind of have an icy relationship at times they both know what the other is well yeah when Boromir gets there he doesn't know anything about Aragorn he he doesn't know who he is or what he is or or anything like that. Well, when he gets to the to Rivendell, yeah, yeah, he doesn't know who Aragorn is because Aragorn's been going under many different names, and even earlier in Aragorn's life, he was in Gondor and went under a different name. He he was in Gondor and fought in a great battle of theirs, and one of the reasons Denethor doesn't like him is because uh, he won great favor, but from the people by leading their ships into battle uh, at some, in some battle, I can't recall. And then Denethor. The Boromir knows who he is. He just doesn't know he's no. meant to be. The Boromir doesn't know who he is until, at least in the movie that I know of until Legolas tells him, this is Aragorn. You owe him your allegiance. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He figures it out in this yeah, movie yeah. If, if he didn't know already. I just didn't know he didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he knows who he is because Aragorn's been sort of hiding his identity because Sauron's trying to murder him. Well, that's that's what's going on with... Uh, he, we, we called him Strider last movie, but now he's Aragorn. Mm-hmm. He, Tolkien is always doing that, just changing the name of a guy for no reason. Yeah, yeah, like everybody's got a lot of different names, particularly... And it has to do with the different languages. So most of the time, it's, say, Gandalf is originally, his name is Olin or something like that. Mithrandir is one of his names. Yeah, so his original name is Olin. The elves call him Mithrandir. The humans pick that up. The the dwarves call him something completely different, which is like Shakradur or something like that, which means, (laughs) which means like... uh, that was pretty good, dwarf. Yeah, it means something like the old man with the staff. And then the hobbits call him Gandalf, and a lot of other people call him Gandalf, too. So he has many different names, too. Yeah, that's that's why you should prefer the hobbits to anyone else. They keep their names. Yeah, they keep their shit simple. And Frodo, I don't... Oh, one correction for me is I don't think it was Stan Underhill. I think it was just Mr. Underhill. Yeah. I don't know what Stan Underhill is. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. We should I we mean, should change our email to Stan Underhill. At <laughs> yeah, we should have an alias, Stan <laughs> Underhill podcast. All right. I googled Stan Underhill and nothing came up to indicate that it was Lord of the Rings. It was pretty much just nothing. yeah, no, like funeral home, just Underhill something. He just goes by the name Underhill. Anyway. We'll uh, we'll get with Mister Underhill. So that's what's going on with Aragorn, but Mister Underhill himself, Frodo, is preparing to leave Rivendell, and he meets with his uncle Bilbo mm-hmm. uh, for one last time before the trip. Bilbo gives him his old sword sting, yeah, which glows blue when 
uh, orcs and goblins are nearby when any form of yeah. evil is nearby. Very handy. Very handy. Uh, it's also very lethal. He, yeah. You know, Bilbo killed a lot of shit. With that yeah. Sword. It's, uh, and I think like they talk about how uh, Bilbo easily thrusts it into a post in the book. So like it's still really sharp and really dangerous. It's an elven blade. And he also gives him a coat of armor called Mithril. Yeah. And it's Mithril is really expensive uh, armor that the dwarves make, which is like a what I don't know what you would call that. Like a it looks like chain. Yeah, chain it looks like chain mill, mill but it's like more spectacular and tougher, and you can't stab through it, and you can't shoot arrows through it. It's really protective. And I think at one point uh, Gandalf says something about I never told Bilbo, but that Mithril was worth more than all the Shire. Yeah, and Frodo hears it because no one else knows that he's wearing that. Mask. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because Bilbo Bilbo gives it to him, and tells him this, and he says, "Let's keep it our our secret. Don't tell anybody," or something like that. I like, uh, I really like the scene where Bill Frodo's putting on the mithril, and and the ring is hanging from his neck. Oh his yeah, and, and Bilbo gets a look at it, and he says, "Oh, my old ring," and he kind of talks about wanting to see it again, and then suddenly he lunges at frodo and his eyes turn black and his teeth turn oh sharp. yeah he, he kind of looks like Gollum yeah he turns face. into like a golem like character and that talk about a scene that stuck with me for a long time like that freaked me out i, I just remember being like yeah it freaked me yeah. out too that's the scariest part of all oh yeah movies. when i saw that i was like oh my god that's fucking freaky and yeah he looked like a golem just for a yeah. second though if you if you blink you could miss and that that's part. when he like turns away and he goes I'm sorry. I'm sorry that any of this happened, and I'm sorry that to bring this on you and all that stuff. And I'm so sorry, my yeah. boy. I never meant to have you do. Don't this. adventures ever have an end? So he's feeling regret, kind of like uh, Gandalf yeah. was feeling when Frodo accepted as well. They all feel really sorry for Frodo. He's he's gonna die. <laughs> it does seem like a a journey laden with doom, and. Uh, spoiler alert, he dies several times on the way to Mount <laughs> So for, uh, Bilbo Frodo get those gifts, and that's probably the last time that Frodo sees Bilbo, or will see Bilbo for a very yeah. long time. And the uh, the whole fellowship sets out from Rivendell. You know, I love, you know what I love about when they walk out the front in the extended scenes? As soon as well, they walk out, Frodo goes... He looks up to Gandalf and he goes, is it left or right? <laughs> and Gandalf's Gen- <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it's left. <laughs> and it's like, it just, left. Which yeah, it just gives you just, it gives you some idea of how lost these hobbits would be if they didn't have their guys. <laughs> like, it's like me being like, Hey, Hey Mason, walk to Las Vegas, meet me at this place. Only you have no phone or no map or no knowledge of where in the hell Las Vegas is. <laughs> So the fellowship leaves uh, Rivendell and they go to the, the pass of Caradras, Caradras which yeah. is this snowy mountainside. With, it looks awesome. Uh, they're going straight up this mountain and they're trying to get to Mordor without going near Isengard, which is where Saruman is. Yeah, because Saruman right now is the only one that really knows about him for sure. Well, I mean, I guess Sauron might know about them, but but uh, uh, Saruman is the real imminent threat right now. 
Yeah, Saruman's the, the major threat because he's closest. And actually, mm-hmm. I think he sends those spies, those birds. Yeah. Uh, there's like a flock of birds that fly overhead the Fellowship as they're walking. And they yeah, get and they're spotted. They're yeah. yeah, so once they're spotted, uh, Saruman knows where they're at. Gandalf then tries to take the pass of Caradhras yeah. to skirt Saruman, and they have yet another stoned wizard battle up on this mountain as mm-hmm. Saruman is <laughs> yelling into the wind. It's I love the way yeah. he and Gandalf both have these booming voices that echo yeah. out throughout the mountains. Oh yeah, and like and just Christopher Lee is such a good like th- this movie really was perfectly cast. Like we talked about the casting of all the characters and like and it's just everybody really just fits their character so well. And Christopher Lee does such a good job. Like when he's standing on the top of Orthanc and yeah, he's, he's yelling send, out at, the, at Gandalf, sending out those spells and, and stuff. And interesting fact about Christopher Lee is he was a huge Tolkien fan and actually met him. And he read the Lord of the Rings once a year for his, for his entire life. Like once he started reading them. I don't blame him. I watch the movies at least once a year. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, I, I was watching some behind the scenes thing and he just started speaking in the black speech, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is when he, when he's talking about the one, the one ring to rule them all, he says it in the black speech of Mordor. And it's just, I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. I remember reading somewhere that he was not happy with the way his character ended, at least on, on the screen, because I think they cut his, mm-hmm major scene well uh, and it, we'll, we'll it, get to it, that next movie yeah and it was it wasn't true to the book which is i was i would assume that was his biggest issue with it so uh saruman wins again he brings down some snow on on the pa- uh, on the party their other option other than these uh snowy mountains is to go through the mines of moria which is where gimli the dwarf it's where his uh, relatives supposedly live Gimli's the only one that seems to think this is a good idea. Everyone else kind of knows. Do you think they all knew what really happened to Gimli's family? No, no. Gandalf is the only one that knows that he knows that there's a possibility that stuff's really hairy in Moria. So he, he I don't think he knows that that it's quite as devastated as, as it is, but I think there's been no news out of Moria. And we'll find out why there's been no news out of Moria. So, uh, yeah. So, so they turn around and they uh, decide they have to go through the mines of Moria. Gandalf leaves it up to Frodo. And Frodo decides, we go through the mines. So they head back down the mountain. Uh, there is one interesting scene here. And they make this so obvious what's going to happen. Uh, the ring falls off Frodo as he, he slips and ragdolls down the hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boromir <laughs> walks over and, and he picks it up and he he, he looks at it like uh, you know really longingly Yeah. and everyone else is really uh, on edge when he has the the ring even for a minute Frodo Partic- looks like he's not going to give it back Aragorn yep. has his hand on the sword particularly Aragorn because it's because men are the most corruptible in this whole group and uh he definitely, when he picks up the ring, he says something like, such a strange fate that we should all suffer so much for so little a thing or something like that. And and he's looking, and it's almost like he becomes hypnotized for a second looking at the ring. And then 
so they're telegraphing, hey, Boromir is the one that's going to uh, yeah the, the downfall of this group. He's definitely a, a, a liability. Even the first time watching it, I could see that plain as day. It's like, well, this guy's going to be evil or turn out to be evil. Well, and so he's not necessarily evil. It uh, starts. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, it starts in the in the uh, council because in the council he says it's a gift. We should use the ring against the enemy, and he wants to use the ring. And the other wiser beings of Middle Earth are like, dude, you can't use the ring. It's going to corrupt you. It's going to ruin you. It's going to ruin everything about. Like, it's just going to overtake you. Well, one thing I would say in regards to the extended editions is if you don't watch them, Boromir is way more of a villain. If yeah. you just watch the uh, the major major release that yeah. came out in theaters, they just show his bad side. They don't show any of the backstory, which yeah. is no, I his think... father pressuring him. He wants to help his brother. Yeah, I think he's a good dude. I think he, is, he really is a good dude, and, and he's a good soldier and a good leader, like a, a the biggest issue is that he his biggest fault is that he is man and man is corrupted by these things like man was the only one that was corrupted by the nine rings of power that they were gifted like all of and them they just, became those uh, dumbass bumbling the, ring <laughs> they became bumbling <laughs> ring wraith that just ran that just ran around and, and fouled up the job at every corner <laughs> And luckily, we don't see the ring rates in any of these scenes because they can't handle the snow for sure. Yeah, they'd be they'd be slipping and sliding all over the place. <laughs> it, they should have just given Boromir the ring. He would have turned into a ring wraith and fucked everything up. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's probably too damp in the mines of Moria for them, so they can't go down there either. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the weather will be good enough for the rates, but it's not going to be anytime They're, soon. They they'd start coughing in the mines, being like. Ugh. This mold gets in my lungs. (laughs) Yeah, this dumbass race. We don't see them in this one, unfortunately. Yeah, I missed the race already. So they go down into the mines of Moria. Uh, They don't get in the mines, though, because they get to this lake, and it's, uh, it's blocked off by this door, and Gandalf has to figure out a riddle to open the door and get them inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gandalf is continues to be funny in this first movie. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Pippin again. He's he says, uh, "What are we gonna do, Gandalf?" And, and Gandalf's like, "Well, I'm gonna smash your head again." Yeah. <laughs> he says, "I'm gonna smash your head against this door, and then I'm gonna figure out a way to get inside." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So oh, I love yeah. That. So his relationship with with uh, with Pippin is just absolutely like. <laughs> He he, hates he can't suffer the stupidity of Pippin at all. It's a, it's like one it's one of the beautiful parts about Gandalf is because he he's generally like this wise, all knowing, nice, friendly guy. But anytime Pippin says something, he's like, "Shut the hell up, you idiot!" Like he just has a unnatural hate for Pippin. That's really that's fool of a took. Yeah, fool of a took. Next time, throw yourself in. Rid us of your stupidity. So yeah. so Gandalf can't figure out how to get in there and uh, everyone else is just bored. And Pippin and Mary start what do they start doing? What do, what do they do that disturbs the water? Oh yeah, I wanted to bring this up. Does that little re- little bit of rock throwing gets them in trouble now, doesn't it? They awaken an ancient demon with their powerful rock throwing. Just skipping stones. Well, they just disturb the water. It's not to say they 
Also, this uh, is also this is. Berto stepped in the water before that. Might be might I add, this is an inaccuracy to the book because in the book, uh, Boromir throws the rock in the water and disturbs the water. So I'm I, like you and Peter Jackson are the only two. So he added the hobbits throwing this rocks in there. These rocks in there. The tremor from their rock throw was so powerful it awakened something that hadn't been awake in centuries. Oh my god, it has been awake. It's been the 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 it the, it killed one of it killed a uh, Olin or whatever one of the dwarves, uh, Ganda Gimli's uncle Oin. Oin. It, it was Oin. Yeah, it killed Oin. So it did that. You know, maybe a few years ago. I don't know. That's not canon to the movie. Yeah, okay, but still. We're talking about the movie here. In the, in the movie, they're badass rock drivers. <laughs> okay, I, that that I will concede. <laughs> so uh, Gandalf, actually, it's Frodo that figures it out. You have to speak friend and enter. Yeah. Uh, it's the elvish word for friend, so the door opens. And as they all go inside, the either the rock throwing or, or Frodo slipping in, his foot slipped in, one of them well, brings out this also, horrible octopus. Also, also uh, Gandalf drops a little hint right before this and says, tell, pulls Frodo aside and says, you have to be careful because the evil will be drawn to the ring. So it could be the presence of the ring that draws this terrible beastie out. It's uh, it goes after it looks Frodo just like a kraken. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a big, big octopus, uh, deadly octopus in the water. So it, it reaches out and grabs uh, Frodo. There's a pretty cool fight scene there where the hobbits first uh, start attacking it. And Frodo defends himself a little bit. He, he starts attacking it too, but he's held up by his ankle, getting spun around. Uh, Boromir and Aragorn jump in and start chopping off tentacles. It's pretty cool looking. Mm-hmm. Legolas is shooting these arrows, just dead shot, knocking out. Everything he's aiming at, he hits. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think he misses a shot in the whole move in the whole three movies. Uh, he misses one shot. That's absolutely. Oh crucial. yeah, you're right. Oh, that's true. But we'll get back to that later. That's that's, that's for way different, way down the road. Yeah, in this case though, uh, the the Watcher in the Water monster is about to drop Frodo in his mouth and eat him. Uh, Legolas makes his perfect shot and hits it in the eyes. He drops Frodo. And uh, they all get out. They they get inside the mines, and the creature follows them. And he, uh, I guess, he kind of knocks down the pillars and kills himself. Well, he crashes. Right. He. I don't know if we don't know if he dies, but he crashes the doors down to the to that secret entrance of Moria. So they're trapped now in Moria. There's no there's no going out. There's no leaving. And it really sets the pace, and it's the reason I like this second half of this movie so much it's one of my favorites because it's a lot of good battles oh yeah i this is the starting battle i think the second half of this movie might be like one of the best parts of the the entire canon yeah if we're ranking the six movies if this is yeah this is one of the best so they're inside the mines gimli is uh looking forward to seeing his family but very quickly they find out that everyone there is dead Uh uh-huh I think Boromir says, this is not a home, this is a tomb. Yeah. And they see that everyone in there is dead, so... Everyone's like dusty old skeletons with cobwebs and stuff on them. Yeah. Uh, Gandalf decides he has to lead them through anyway. He uses some magic so they have light, and they start traveling through the mines of Moria. Uh, There's a nice scene where Gandalf can't remember where he's at or where they're going, 
Yeah. And he sits down to uh, have a smoke of some <laughs> some uh, halfling leaf <laughs> yeah. and, and think about it. And Frodo walks up to him and he's, he had seen Gollum in the levels way down below. He says, there's something down there. And that's when Gandalf shares the story of Gollum yeah. to Frodo. Mm-hmm. That's hard to think of. How how would anyone have known Gandalf used to be Smeagol and used to be a hobbit? Uh, you mean because I can't Gollum, imagine Gollum, Gollum saying it. Gollum used to be Smeagol and used to be a hobbit. Yeah, well, yeah, I uh, mean, we we know that Gandalf uh, interrogated Gollum in Mirkwood, and I would assume that's how he finds out about him. But I I don't know. That's the only that's the only link we could make there. I think. It's uh, he if he interrogated him, he would have had to hypnotize him or something. I can't imagine. Yeah, Gollum willingly talking like a normal person now that he's the thing that he yeah, is. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine that either. Uh, but again, I you know like it, there's 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 these cookie crumbs all over Tolkien where you can fit you can justify making a decision on that, but there's no definitive answer. Well, I think in the movies they wanted to to give as many nods to the book The Hobbit as possible mm-hmm. because the movies hadn't come out yet. The Hobbit movies yeah. which are not that great. But because of that, I think in Lord of the Rings, they wanted to acknowledge The Hobbit as many ways as possible. Yeah. Because Frodo even says Uncle Bilbo should have killed him when he had the chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Bilbo probably shared that story with Frodo without including the ring. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how he told Frodo without him really thinking about it. But. Yeah, I, I don't know either, but but it gets us to some very um, crucial philosophies of Tolkien's writing in here where he says he should have killed him, and then, and then Gandalf says, many that live deserve death, many that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Do not be so willing to deal out death and judgment. And it's one of those beautiful lines about life that's like, you know, just because you don't understand something or don't like it doesn't mean you have to kill it, you know? <laughs> and I, yeah, especially from Frodo acting like a tough guy, like mm-hmm. he doesn't have the, uh, you know, he's not a killer. Yeah. And, and you definitely should, you know, Gandalf drops some, some uh, philosophy on him. He says, no, you don't kill. And Gollum even has a role to play yeah. still in this story for good or for, evil, yeah, and it, which is a weird gamble by Gandalf. Yeah, but he, but Gandalf has this this weird wizard's intuition where he knows that Gollum is uh, is he says I feel my heart still feels that Gollum has some part to play in this for good or for ill and he does. He's a he's a crucial character in in and and maybe like the most crucial character in this story when it comes all down to it. But uh but but um Frodo quickly backtracks and says, I wish none of this would happen. I wish the ring had never come to me, which leads me to like another one of my favorite lines. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it because it's this point now, but it's definitely going to be one of my favorite lines is, so do all who live to see such times, such terrible times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time given to us. So it's like this beautiful philosophic scene with him just spitting straight up, you know, life knowledge, not just on, on Frodo, but all of us. Like we're just hearing it going, Oh yeah. What a, what a, what a smart sentiment. Yeah. And they're really giving you this, uh, 
personal scene with Gandalf because they're setting up something that Gandalf, I think, might already suspect is coming at this point. There's a reason why he didn't want to go into the mines, and it may not be because of the danger there, but because he could predict what was going to happen to him in the mines. Uh, that's just a little bit up ahead, but well, I I found myself thinking about that this time is how much did Gandalf know exactly was going to happen? Yeah, and he has traveled through back through the mines. Uh, he's gone through the mines, so he knows he knows that there there's something's messed up. And and even Saruman says when he's talking about, so you're going to take him over the the Caradras. You he's like, what then? If that fails, would you take them to a more deadly path? You know what the the dwarves you know what terrorizes yeah you know what the dwarves unearthed in the mines and you know what they brought up uh shadow and flame and it shows us like a vague drawing of a balrog which we'll get to later yeah saruman is kind of a narrator for this part He, he he tells the audience what's going on by talking uh through telepathy almost with yeah so because it shows him doing the voiceover and Gandalf. Yeah, thing. so that we as the audience members now know that Gandalf has great reservations uh, at, to going into the mines of Moria because he knows how dangerous it could be. And even when Frodo says, we'll take the mines of Moria, he like has this foreboding look in his face and he goes, so be it. So yeah. be it. What do you think about the uh, some of the hobbits calling him Gandalf? Uh, I, I don't think of it. I don't know. <laughs> what Gandalf. Gandalf. Yeah, Gandalf. I, I don't know. I've always said Gandalf, but yeah, it's Dolph to me. Too. I don't know. My kids always like to like uh, laugh at that whenever they call him Gandalf. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I guess I never even noticed it really. It's kind of like Saruman and Saruman. Yeah, yeah. Some of them call him Saruman. Yeah, I don't know. This it's it's a these are all made up languages and names, so they're open to. Pronunciation interpretation. <laughs> Even within its own story. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Anyway, Gandalf leads them down into Dwarodelf Hall, which is this ancient dwarven city, completely abandoned now. Uh, while they're exploring, they find uh, like a journal, I guess, of one of Gimli's old relatives, and they explain that they all died in a god. Yeah, attack. like Balin. It's, it's, it's funny because like later it's characters – or it's characters from The Hobbit, like it's Balin or somebody like that, or Balin. yeah, Balin or Balin or whatever. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's one of the characters that we've actually met if you've read The Hobbit. But yeah, so he he talks about reading drums in the deep. They we cannot get out. You know, they are coming, and they uh, they do come. It's they they start shooting through. Oh no no. How do they know they're there? Oh, yeah. The dumbass uh, Pippin. <laughs> yeah. Right? The fool so this is why Gandalf hates him. <laughs> so Pippin uh, knocks this bucket down. With a well, chain attached to it. It's like the it, noisiest thing ever. Yeah, it drops down this well that's thousands of feet deep, and it clanks and rattles the entire way down, and they all just stop and stare <laughs> at Pippin while it's just banging and banging. <laughs> he has such... And when it finally lands. He has such a great face during that, too. Like, he's just like, oh, oh, he's like, oh, God, oh, God. (laughs) And Gandalf says, fool of a took. Which my wife still calls everyone fool of a took if they do something. Fool of a took. Throw yourself in next time and rid us of your stupidity. (laughs) 
It's just like the meanest thing you could ever say to somebody. It's like, kill yourself and get out of our... Kill yourself. Yeah, Don't yeah, get us, us killed. All down. But he's right. I mean, this is this is probably why Elrond was not, uh, you know, keen on having the hobbits all trek along for the trip because they are just woefully underprepared for the severity of what's going on. No, twice already, Pippin and Mary have almost gotten the entire uh, group <laughs> yeah. killed. So the, him setting off that well sets off. Uh, a, you can hear these goblins all coming. Yeah, and you hear, and, and you hear, you hear drums start too. So there's a big fight brewing. The battle kicks off, and I gotta say, when I first watched the movie, Legolas was my favorite character the very first time. Because he's so awesome in these fight scenes, and they yeah. do not skimp on these battles, big no. or small. Yeah, and not it's awesome. Yeah, and the the amazing part for from an from a uh, theatrical standpoint is a lot of this stuff is being done against a green screen, so they're fighting invisible, you know, <laughs> trolls and and like. They're just, you know, out there fighting invisible trolls. Like the actors talked about how weird it was to just sit there and be battling invisible enemies. You know, well, the troll is, but aren't the goblins and orcs are all actual extras? And yeah, America, mm-hmm. right? yeah, yeah, Which a lot of the goblins. Awesome. Yeah, so yeah, do you they know do the a... difference between a goblin and an orc. Um, I I think I heard that there is no difference that they are the same thing, but they're just different languages. I don't know. Do you know? I think the goblins are a little bit smaller. And mm-hmm. I don't recall orcs walking on walls like the goblins do. Uh, yeah, they're just yeah. crawling on the walls later. So I think they must be somewhat different. Yeah, there, I think there is a difference. But I remember I remember hearing like on a podcast or something that it was said that there's essentially no difference between the orcs. And they're, they're just a different breed of orc maybe or something. Uh, I don't know. But they're, they're pretty cool. And they are really creepy looking. They are. And they yeah. start bursting down the door, and the second they knock a, a hole loose in the door, Legolas starts shooting arrows through this tiniest little gap. Oh yeah, like they open one small hole, and air and uh, Legolas is just already filling it full of arrows. It's awesome. He, <laughs> yeah, he, he never misses. He's a perfect he's, shot every time. He's the deadliest. He's the deadliest uh, battle. Oh yeah, he, soldier. He he's shows the off soldier. the most in the fights. He's yeah, definitely the sure. deadliest soldier. Yeah. I even wrote that down. Legolas, clearly the best fighter in the Fellowship. He's only had 2,500 years to practice his archery, so he should have it down by now. Well, he does have it down, to be yeah. fair. He shoots two at once into this uh, giant cave troll that, that comes in. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't kill it, but he, at one point he climbs up his arm and gets on top of his head and then puts one right into yeah. his skull. Uh, still doesn't kill it. That doesn't kill it. That's the crazy part. I'm like, I thought he'd be dead after that. And also, no. also before you say it, the hobbits are throwing rocks at yes. the troll. Uh, okay, well, see, but don't, listen, don't listen, ruin my glory before, here. Before you say it, I was going to set it up real nice. But yes. Yeah, good. I'm glad I crashed at it because before you even mention it, the hobbits are throwing rocks at the troll, and yes, it looks mildly effective. So the the troll got shot in the skull with an arrow, didn't kill him, and he threw Legolas off, but the troll gets hit in the face with a hobbit thrown rock and he recoils in pain. <laughs> that, that is rich recoils in pain. I don't he, know. About he, he exclaims out loud and then he recoils. 
because it's the same time that uh, Aragorn is stabbing him with that skewer, and he's about to make some headway onto Aragorn and the hobbits. Save his life by hitting him, hitting that troll with the rocks and slowing uh, him down. Yeah, yeah, you've really, you've really clung to this. Well, that's two, two rock throws already <laughs> in this one. So yes, they do throw the rocks. Okay, don't uh, spoil the next rock throw. I hope I caught it because I'll, I'll spoil the shit out of that. So uh, Legolas is is icing everybody. Everyone's icing everybody. Yeah, but the troll is really being a problem. Yeah, and the troll, uh, the trolls, the trolls, uh, definitely going after Frodo. He he starts picking on Frodo and like chasing him around a little pillar, and we think he kind of so Frodo slides to one side of the pillar, and the the troll looks around and doesn't see him. Then he slides to the other side of the pillar, and the troll looks around and he doesn't see him. And we think, oh great, the troll doesn't know anybody's there. And then all of a sudden, Frodo relaxes and breathes a breath of fresh air, and the troll just pokes his head around the corner and sees him and gives a big guttural scream at him or whatever. Yeah, That's... and then he, uh, he gets him up in the corner mm-hmm. and he stabs him with this big spear. Yeah. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of these little plot devices that a lot of movies do where they fake kill a major character, but then he's not dead. And I well... remember watching this the first time thinking, oh, man... <laughs> The very first time, before I'd read the book or anything, yeah. thinking, oh, well, this guy could die. And then 10 minutes later, he's fine. Yeah, like, well, that was quick. Yeah, that was quick and weird. Yeah. It does serve a purpose, though. So he survives, uh, but he's laying there. You think he's dead. Legolas finish off, finishes off the uh, troll with a shot right to the mouth. It looks like it goes right up into his brain and kills him. Yeah, and he makes this awesome sound when he shoots him. It's like, he, he's Ooh. like, ooh. <laughs> Yeah, it is a pretty awesome sound. Like it just it's like it it changes his tone entirely like he's a wrecking ball and then all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, fuck." <laughs> One thing I would like to point out is when when they think Frodo is dead, the other hobbits go batshit crazy. Oh yeah. Merry and Pippin jump on the troll's back <laughs> and start like punching him or like trying to stab him. Yeah, they really they really, goes crazy. Yeah, they 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 they're giving it all up for their for their boy. They love Frodo. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's the end of that battle. They check on Frodo. They find out that he was wearing the mithril so that he survived. Yeah. Uh, everyone's in wonder of him, but they're not out of the woods yet because they hear more goblins coming. Mm-hmm. So they have to uh, they have to run away. Yeah. So- I think uh, they they give another nod to the Hobbit when Gimli in particular says. You're full of surprises, Master Baggins or Mister Baggins, mm-hmm. which is something uh, they say directly to Bilbo. The Bil- the yeah, to in the first movie, yeah. Whenever well, I in think, all the whenever, books, in the Hobbit books too, right? Yeah, whenever he comes, whenever he comes out of the caves, and they thought they thought they lost him, and he was gone, or he'd abandoned him, or was dead, or something. And he's yeah. he's like, oh, I'm right here. Nope, I'm here. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm just, just using this just, evil ring of power to be invisible for a minute. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, big deal. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> so they all like, escape, what are you uh, what are you talking about you didn't see me i was there the whole time <laughs> i'm just really short yeah that's a hobbit's gift is their inability to not be seen it always reminds me of uh hollow man <laughs> where where he used his invisibility to just sneak around and like check out naked girls <laughs> it's, it's like come on dude you can't think of anything better to do while you're invisible yeah you can do a billion things i mean 
you could do a billion things, but you could also do that in between time, you know? Yeah, well, that's they really focused on that in the movie. He also murdered people that had pissed him off. That's true. So I guess that's the two things you do when you can turn invisible. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they go down back to the hall, and uh, they are completely surrounded. These goblins come out of the walls and out of the ground. There's thousands of goblins. Oh yeah, it's it's that was one thing that I was like, this is crazy. Like, there's no way that amount of of goblins or orcs or whatever they are would not be able to just absolutely slaughter these nine companions or whatever it is i was thinking how are these goblins what are these goblins eating how do you feed an army that size in these mines where there's nothing that's a good question too logistically how do you keep all those goblins alive in there like where and where were they all for the for the fellowship to be able to walk that far into the mines well, without we, encountering a single other living goblin. Yeah, I don't know. Are they all just sitting down there waiting to be summoned up for a fight with? They're just like I mean, they're like, man. I hope I hope a wizard and a few hobbits show up today because I am hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is nothing going on down there. They're not they're not forging weapons. They're not doing anything. It's like a it's like an ancient cave. No, it's like downtime, like uh, when soldiers get sent for R and R. They're just kind of sitting down there. They're probably playing dice, drink, drinking, <laughs> drinking grog. You know, they probably drinking some grog, yeah. gambling, gambling. Well, I guess they'd have to be eating yeah. each other. And then they were like, "Oh shit! Did you hear that? Sound like somebody knocked a chain in a bucket down some, down a well." <laughs> yeah, everyone just call. It's a call to arms. Yeah. Let, let's rush up to the see what it is. <laughs> I found it interesting that they were crawling on the walls, yet they also all had swords and shields. Yeah. So yeah. how were they getting their weapons down there while they were stuck to the wall also? That's... It still looked pretty cool. And, and the best screenshot is it's like an overhead shot or a, a faraway shot of these thousands of goblins in this great hallway and then the fellowship in a ring in the and circle. The and surrounded by them. And then off in the background, you can see a bright flame coming from the the depths of the hall yeah you see like uh like uh wisps of flame of like red firelight coming through the hall and you hear this really low like growling sort of thing almost like a breathing monster or something and for some reason these goblins all stopped when they were around the fellowship no one wanted to be the first one to just rush in and and strike Mm -hmm. So they stop for this moment of tension, and when you hear the growl that you said, all the goblins tuck tail and run away. Yeah. And the Fellowship thinks they're saved for a minute, but Gandalf lets them know, nope, uh, we got no chance against this one. It's a Balrog. Yeah. And what what do we know about Balrogs? Uh, well, well, the Bal Balrogs were okay. So this is this goes a little in depth uh, here. Originally, the guy who was the original evil of this world, his name was Melkor, later changed to Morgoth, as J.R. Tolkien will do. Uh, so his na- so Morgoth created these lieutenants, which were basically fire darkness demons. So they, they were dark. They were not exactly fire, but they were darkness. They just absorbed the light around them is how they're described. So they were black fire black fire or black flame almost and they were the most badass of one of the most badass of all of more uh morgoth's army 
And when they were battled and originally and then and Morgoth was vanquished from the world, they ran and hid in the dark places in the deep areas of the world. And this including the mines, including under the mountains deep way. And so these these dwarves who were diving greedily into the earth, trying to dig up for Mithril, which is what Frodo's coat's made out of, so which is a very valuable uh, rock. They de- they de- they delve so deeply that they unearth this ancient Balrog, who is a demon of the underworld, uh, of the ancient world, and so he is a big horned beast. That's probably I, I guess. I would say he stands like 30 feet, 40 feet high, maybe, you know, in this interpretation of him. And yeah, he looks like a giant flaming minotaur. Yeah, yeah. And he's got like horns and a fire is like the interior of his body is fire, but the exterior is like darkness. It's actually really, really well uh, interpreted in the movie. And he to put it to to put it into perspective, Melkor was the master of Sauron. Yeah. Who is the main villain in this. Yeah. The main villain, this one, Sauron, the dark Lord takes up the mantle after Melkor or Morgoth is defeated. So this Balrog is an ancient and incredibly powerful creature. Aragorn has no chance. Legolas has no chance. I love, I actually love the look on uh, Legolas's face after, after Gandalf says, it is a Balrog, a demon of the ancient world. And then they cut to uh, Legolas, and it, his eyes are like wide with fear because he's probably only heard stories of Balrogs, but he knows how dangerous they are. Yeah, he's probably never been in a fight that he didn't think he was going to win immediately. Yeah. So the thought of a Balrog and the fact that he shows some emotion, because I'm going to go ahead and say now, you kind of dissed on Orlando Bloom as Legolas. And I agree that his, uh, his delivery of everything is flat. Uh, you described him as over the top, but I think uh, he, he doesn't show any emotion as an elf is not supposed to he, be. I, for me, it, with his performance, is mostly like he does a lot of mugging. And it's like he mugs for the camera and does a lot of like, it, it just doesn't, it does. You mean that far away look that he does, like he's looking for something miles away? Yeah, yeah, and it's just like it's 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 a it's almost like you know the camera's on you, so you make a face that you think is supposed to be the face that matches with it. And also, this is this is it's important to note that this is Orlando Bloom's first movie role. Like he was in film school when they pulled him out to do this role, so he this is actually his first ever movie, and all these other actors are extreme heavyweights famous actors and orlando bloom was a nobody plucked from the crowd sort of and well to his credit they they don't give him much to work with he doesn't have a lot of backstory no he doesn't he doesn't have a, a story arc no to speak he, of. he does i think he does I, after learning that i i've i've decided that he does do a good job for for what he's given but he, it's just he, uh, as an actor, I don't think he's on on the level of the other people around him. But uh, also, the character is maybe not written as well as the other characters either. So I don't know; it's a difficult decision. Well, I think the character's main strength is it's is his battle when he's battling. yeah his battle acumen yeah. yeah. And so it, it makes it great for a viewer. He's easy to, to be someone's favorite without having to have much uh, depth as a character because. 
He's such an awesome yeah, player. Yeah, and he's sexy as hell. Yeah, and and they all run from the Balrog. When they run, Gandalf says, run. Yeah. <laughs> that part. He gives this long, slow speech about how terrible a Balrog is. And yeah. then he's like, run. Like, I had to get that out first, but now we can run. <laughs> yeah, he was like, there's a Balrog. He's like, this foe is beyond any of you. Run! <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to point out in uh, the Hobbit movies, which came out after this, and Ian McKellen has described hating doing the Hobbit movies because of all the green screen. Uh-huh. I always notice this scene in, in the first movie. They get out of the goblin caves and they they hear wargs coming. And, and Gandalf gives a very similar low speech where he's just talking at first. And then instead of saying, run, he says, run. He's, he is so bored with it. It's, it's, he, he does not want to be delivering that line. It's almost like, oh, man, how many times did they make him do this? Today? Yeah, yeah. Well, and that was the problem with the Hobbit movies was they they tried to play too much off of what worked on the Lord of the Ring films. And they strayed and bastardized the story way more than they did in Lord of the Rings. So it's just like, you know, that's a whole that's a whole other story. But uh, it, it, yeah, it's like they said, Gandalf. Your gimmick is saying, run. yeah, so we're gonna make you do it 10 times now in this next, yeah. Movie. And it's like it, it's an entertain the hobbits are all entertaining films, but they're nowhere near the lasting like art work that Lord of the Rings is. And it makes me beg to wonder, like, what happened to Peter Jackson? Like, this was his first big movie that I could think of, right? That I know of, yeah. And it was maybe the greatest movie that I've ever watched in my life. And after that, he has done nothing. Like, he was sent by the Valar just to produce this movie and then, you know, go. <laughs> He's a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Uh, so so they run away from the, the Balrog. They get to these stairs, and they make this kind of Hollywoodized part here where they're teeter-tottering on oh, this yeah. stairway. They all have to jump across as it's teetering the right direction. Uh, Gimli delivers a funny line when he says... Nobody tosses a dwarf because they want to toss him over. Yeah. And instead, he insists on and he jumping barely, over. So his he barely makes is, it. Oh, yeah. They grab yeah. him by his beard. Legolas save saves him, his... And he's like, watch the beard. Legolas watch the beard. saves his life by grabbing him by the beard and pulling him back. And he goes, watch the beard. It's like, dude, you'd be dead if I didn't grab your beard. He's telling jokes whenever they're under threat from a Balrog and they're on yeah this lava pit they're teetering near mm. death and, and Gimli's just cracking yeah. jokes it's pretty weird legolas uh sees some goblins oh just start sniping motherfuckers from across the cave that's at least a hundred yeah yards and that's a really these, these goblins are got, yeah nobody's hitting them and legolas shoots and we get a view from the arrow like we're riding with the arrow and it's just like curving and just poof, sinks right in the guy's forehead yeah he's shooting him from maybe like I want to say it's like a hundred yards away at least. Yeah, he's just, just drilled dead with shot. Slow, just left yeah. and right knocking dudes. So they all get get across. The Balrog is in hot pursuit. Uh, Gandalf lets Aragorn know, lead them on, Aragorn. Uh, I'm I'm going to handle this Balrog. Your sword won't do us any yeah. good here. And uh, he lead Aragorn leads them all across this bridge, the bridge of Khazad-dûm, which I love that the bridge has a name and a backstory. Yeah. You know, everything. You know, Tolkien sat down one day. He said, "What am I going to write about? I'm going to write about the backstory of a yeah. bridge." 
in my he's like, story. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, he's, it's like 10 weeks later, he's still writing about Casa Doom. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the place, I think the place is called Casa Doom, and then that's just the bridge of Casa Doom, right? So, well, the city was called Duro Del. Yeah. So I think there's maybe Casa Doom is a part but of the city. But he says at the beginning, it's like a, a, a nine day journey to get through Moria. So I think Moria has many different little cities built into it. And I think Casa Doom is the last of the little city, the last of the little areas that, to go through. Well, they, they all get across the bridge except for Gandalf. Uh, Gandalf turns and faces the Balrog, and it sets up what is one of the best scenes in the entire series. Yeah. Maybe in, maybe one of the best scenes in, in cinematic history. They get to the bridge of Casa Doom. They cross it. Gandalf stops, faces the Balrog. And what does Gandalf say to the Balrog? I am a servant of the secret fire. Wielder of the flame of Anor. Dark fire shall not avail you here, flame of Udun. <laughs> flame of Udun. Flame of Udun. I love his face when he says flame of Udun. Yeah. He, you can Gan- see all his teeth. He's grimacing. It's no longer the uh, Grandpa Gandalf. This dude is serious right now. Yeah. He's, he's putting up the force field. Uh, he's battling the Balrog. Oh yeah, and his 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 staff starts to glow, and he creates like a, a a white light force field and stuff. But this this scene for me is one of the reasons why I love Tolkien so much is because just in that line, if you're a watcher, you don't know exactly what he's saying, right? So he turns and faces the Balrog, and he is essentially telling the Balrog, "Hey, back off, dude! I'm just as deadly as you are." So he says, "I'm a servant of the secret fire," right? Right. And that means the secret fire is what God used in this world, Iluvatar, Eru Iluvatar, what he used to create Arda, the world that they live in. So the secret fire is sent to the center of that world and is the thing that keeps the world burning and, and turning, right? So he's letting the Balrog know, I am a servant of God. I am a wielder of the flame of Anor. So Anor means is, is translated to sun. But it could also relate to his ring because he has a ring of power, which is the ring of fire, Arnya. So he is, he's essentially telling the Balrog, listen, you better back the fuck up because I'm just as deadly as you are. Because the Balrog comes at him. He's got his whip. He's got his sword. He's all flame. He's all fire. The Balrog is a Maier, which is created originally by angels. And Gandalf is letting him know, I am also Maier. I fuck with the light. Go back to the shadows. Go back to the darkness. He says that too. He's like, go back to the shadows. And yeah. dark fire will not avail you here, flame of Udun. And so he's telling him that your evil will not help you here, flame of Udun, which Udun is uh, translated to basically hell or or it's like uh, the, the flame of hell, sort of, is what he's saying. And it's like on the surface, when you see this scene, you don't you would never know any of this. But no, if it you, all has meaning. Yeah, it all has meaning and it all is like it's just so it's it's just this is the kind of enjoyment and the, the enrichment that this can bring to your life whenever you start understanding this world for the depth that it is. And this scene is just a perfect example of that for me, 
and I always bring it up and I'm just like, because when I first saw it, I thought, man, this is a badass scene. I don't know what he's saying, but it's really cool. And now that I know what he's saying, it's just even more, uh, just brings it's so amazing. much more. It's yeah, incredible. it's amazing. It's because just... when you watch it, you're like, oh, it's a wizard casting spells, which mm-hmm. he's kind of using spells. He's, he's really talking shit more than anything. Yeah. He's using his powers, he's talking shit, and he's fighting this Balrog. Yeah. And there's an amazing camera shot from across the way of the bridge, and they show the light of Gandalf up against this huge, hulking, flaming blackness mm-hmm. on this bridge, and everyone else is looking on from across the way. It's it's an awesome shot. Uh, the Balrog, think... he swings down on Gandalf. Gandalf blocks, and it causes the, uh, the ground to to shatter well gandalf uses a staff what, yeah he it, it like causes like sparks and white flame to fly everywhere and then gandalf gives the famous you shall not pass and slams his staff down in the middle of the bridge and that you hear like a great cracking or something and the belrog takes a step towards him and we realize that gandalf was actually playing a game of chess with him you know he was like he was breaking the bridge so that when the Balrog came forward, it would crumble underneath of him. So now the bridge crumbles and the Balrog starts tumbling into the darkness. And we think, oh God, that was so close. And the Balrog is gone and now we're all safe. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Uh, Gandalf turns to walk back to the Fellowship as the Balrog is falling into the depths. But his whip uh, whips up one last time snatches Gandalf by the leg. He slips. He uh, grabs hold of some cracks in the rocks so he can deliver one last message to the Fellowship. He says, Fly, you fools. Yeah. Now, normally you're thinking he's saying, Hey, fly, like, just walk out of the cave and run. You know, it's another way of saying run. Mm -hmm. But what if he was saying, Seriously, you don't have to walk all the way to Mordor. Just fly. <laughs> just get on the eagles and take fly the in eagles. there. Take the <laughs> he just realizes that at that moment, he's like, oh, shit, we could have flown the whole we way. Flown. As soon as we get out of Moria, just fly. You know, fly <laughs> in there. Come on, you fools, just fly. Hey, uh, the eagles had shit to do, man. They were probably busy oh, that God. day. They were probably busy that day. I thought maybe they had to get through the mines so uh, they could avoid the bad weather that yeah. uh, Saruman was letting out and then they yeah. could fly the rest of the way. The eagles were too obvious, man. It was a, ge- it was a game of deception. And, uh, and well, they could know. have at least gotten like, a little closer. They didn't have to walk all those hundreds of miles the entire time on foot. Yeah. The eagles could have definitely flown low under the radar and at least got them, got them through, through Moria. They didn't have to go through Moria. They could have taken the eagles around or something. So knowing what I know now, uh, what happens with Gandalf, I kind of came up with a, a different crack uh, crackpot theory. So Gandalf's hanging on the ledge, right? Yeah. And he slips and falls seemingly to his death. But he does drop his staff first as he's hanging there. And he seems to have a pretty strong grip in terms of being able to pull himself back up. The way they shoot it, make it makes it seem like he almost intentionally drops down. What if he's dropping down either to A get his staff back or to go down and kill the Balrog and finish him off. Well, I mean, he talks earlier in the cave about fate, sort of. He says, 
Bilbo was meant to find the ring, which also means you were meant to have the ring. You know, there, there are certain things in this world that are just meant to happen. And that's how I kind of view this scene is that, that Gandalf sort of almost knows his fate. That's why he's so nervous about going into Moria to begin with. So I think, I think Gandalf sort of knows that something, he feels something is wrong and something is going to happen that's bad, but he knows his fate is to battle that Balrog. So he drops off the cliff and plummets down and catches his sword and starts latching. Well, well that's, that's the next movie. That's not this movie. No, no. In this movie, they show him, they show him tackle him and plunge down, and, and then they cut away after they plunge through the water. Do that? No. Yeah. No, that's the beginning of the next movie. No. The opening scene. No. Correction I mean, time. They they, next they they continue it. They show the full battle in the opening scene there. But yeah. And this scene, Gandalf falls and he's dead. That's it. The Balrog's way down below him. Really? Yeah. He's not close enough to catch up to him yet. Well, and he falls. That's a bottomless pit they're falling yeah. into. Yeah, I think they're they're setting it up for the audience to believe that Gandalf is dead, and we're spoiling it right now by saying he's not. Oh he yeah, falls down in. There. Oh yeah, he fell down. He's dead. He's dead. Yeah, and I remember watching this uh, with uh, with some people that had never seen any of the Lord of the Rings before, and they thought he was dead. They're like, "Oh man, they killed off the wizard in the first movie." Yeah. So it was effective mm-hmm. uh, if they were going for that in this case. Yeah. Uh, so Gandalf's dead. The Balrog is uh, dead too. They're all down there dead. Uh, <laughs> the, if nothing else, they're falling eternally until they starve to death. Yeah. But Frodo and the rest of the uh, fellowship makes it out of the mines alive. And when they get out there, they're all really tore up uh, from uh, the death of Gandalf. Yeah. They're, it's especially strange scene. I think it's Pippin. Mm-hmm. Pippin's laying on his side with his head on Mary's lap, just bawling his eyes out, and Mary is like cradling him and holding yeah. him. Well, they uh, Sam said. Well, there's a few reasons for that. because they first of all they love Gandalf as much as Gandalf gives him shit. Like Pippin still loves Gandalf, and it's like a coming from a place of love. Like Gandalf is still a beloved character to them, and you know their yeah. their fellowship has been traveling for a while, and also they probably realized how fuck they are now that they don't have a wizard on their side yeah that's true uh, Boromir's he's tore up Gimli's crying Legolas is stone faced which I love that like his eyes look kind of uh, normal you know, like nothing's really happening maybe a little glassy but everyone else is balling and Legolas is like god I've been alive for 3,000 years do you know how many deaths I've seen yeah well like, are, yeah. this is nothing I mean and Aragorn's the closest to Gandalf but he's also the strongest of all the characters as far as that's that's type of stuff yeah he's you know he's also in his he's in his 80s he's seen some death <laughs> yeah they uh they he had he tells Boromir to get them up and get the hobbits going like the hobbits are this huge army regiment that needs rousing. It's just four little dudes, yeah. but he like gives an order. I mean, shit, like, get them you up. could carry them if they were that bad off. Yeah, he's like, get them up. So he, they they all get ready, and Boromir says, "Give them a minute for pity's sake." So Boromir's trying to have some compassion, uh, but but they do have to get out of there because yeah, goblins and orcs would be all. Over. Yeah, as Aragorn says, the hills will be teeming with orcs and. Before sunset or, or after sunset or something. 
So they escape. Uh, there is a scene setting up what's to come. Saruman is meeting with a, a created orc, which is a new brand of orc called the Urukai. The Urukai, yeah, yeah. He, uh, they're distinctive in the fact that they're bigger than normal orcs, stronger, smarter, faster. Uh, Saruman puts this white well, the one, paint on their face. The one big defining trait that that makes them more deadlier than orcs is that they can travel under the sunlight yeah they can travel in the sunlight too the orc- that's what uh the elves yeah say. so orcs usually have to go uh in dark places or at night and these urukai can travel through the day so there's a whole army of these urukai and one particular leader i think he even has a name it's like kurtz or or Gertz or something lurts lurts yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, so the lead orc, and these guys look awesome. Uh, shout out to the makeup department. Oh, yeah. The amount of makeup they had to do for this, for the for these orcs every day was probably ridiculously long. It is well worth it. You cannot CGI this and make it look that cool. No, no, they look, they look great. So by comparison in The Hobbit, I think a lot of the, the pale orcs, and, and that's like the boss orcs, or CGI, and they look terrible compared to this this guy looks awesome so the Saruman gives the Urukai a mission and that is to gather up the halflings that are with the fellowship because one of them has something that he wants and kill everyone else uh, these orcs have an undying love for Saruman so they're all about it well he's he's essentially their creator so yeah yeah so uh, the fellowship goes to this elven city in the woods called Lothlorien. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they, they meet uh, Galadriel. Yes, and Galadriel's a, such an interesting character that you can find out a lot more about, but she's one of the most powerful beings in Middle-earth because she also has a ring of power. She has one of the three rings of power that uh, the elves have made. So she has one, Elrond has one, and Gandalf has one. And she is the lady of the forest and just has uncontrollable powers of, of, I don't know, my, she can mind speak. reading and, yeah, and she, predicting the future. Yeah, yeah. So there's elves from Lothlorien who are led by Galadriel. There's the elves of Rivendell that are led by Elrond. There's the elves of, uh, what's the forest in The Hobbit? Mirkwood. Uh, Is it Mirkwood? Mirkwood, yeah. That's where Thranduil is king, uh, Legolas's father. Yeah, so so there's all kinds of different elves. There's different mm-hmm. brands and sects of elves Yeah, around uh, Middle-earth. So these Lothlorien elves, they take in the Fellowship. Um, she's reading all of their minds while they're sitting there talking to her. Gimli has some funny lines as they're walking through the woods. He says, no one could ever sneak up on me. I've got the eyes of a fox and whatever, eyes, something like eyes, that. Eyes of a hawk. Eyes ears of a hawk and ears, ears of, of a fox. fox. Yeah. And uh, as soon as he says that, there's an arrow right in his face because the elves snuck right up on him. Yeah, and they, uh, say, they say the elf or the, the dwarf breathes so loudly we could have shot him in the dark. So they uh, they don't want to stay there, or the elves don't want them to stay there because she knows that Frodo has brought something evil into mm-hmm. into their realm, uh, that being the the ring. But they are allowed to stay there for a night or maybe a week. They don't really they don't make it clear, but 
Yeah, the realm um, is the realm is protected by the power of her and her ring, but she definitely knows that now the enemy knows that they've come into the forest, and so it's it's like uh, they're housing they're housing some people that are on the lamb, and and they're bringing great danger to the elven people. So she, Frodo walks down to uh, to her place, I guess, in the middle of the night. I don't really know what he's expecting to do there, but she leads him over to this wishing well thing, uh, this kind of like reflective pool. And she shows him what's going to happen if he fails his mission, which is the enslavement of all hobbits. Uh, they show a, a little montage of orcs ruling the world. Uh, they even show Sam getting like beat and whipped yeah, and used and, as a slave. And he's on like a chain gang or something. And the whole, the whole Shire is burnt to the ground. Yeah, so they're all slaves, and it's terrible. Uh, Frodo backs out of it, and then she says, you could give me the ring, and and when she says that, she turns into this pretty scary-looking monster. Yeah, well, he... uh, overexposed in in the camera. Importantly, though, he offers it to her freely. He says, I will give you the ring if you ask it of me, because he doesn't know what to do now. Gandalf's gone. He's lost. He doesn't know what what's going to go on. He thinks that maybe it's a good idea to give the ring to somebody who's smarter that knows what to do with it. But she shows him what would happen if yeah. he gave her the ring, and it's basically the same thing Gandalf was saying. This is I'm too powerful to have this ring. This is maybe the most scariest uh, scariest scene in the in the whole canon. It is. She turns her skin turns green and yeah, weird. and she turns into like this dark shadowy large woman that's like instead of a queen you would have in place uh a everyone would love me and bow to me and i would be terrible as the seas and treacherous as the, or treacherous as the seas and stuff and she says that you know the ring would corrupt her too and turn her into so she goes back to normal and uh, says no i can't take the ring yeah and that's she passes the test she says now that she's turned down the ring she will remain Galadriel and and go into the Undying Lands as Galadriel and not as the Dark Queen. And I think Galadriel is famous as a uh, gift giver. And also, she also, gives them all gifts. We should also mention that Kate Blanchett plays uh, Galadriel. Galadriel, and she's stunningly beautiful in, in her appearance. And the light that they use for her is really effective in making her just look like this glowing princess. Yeah, she uh, she's on a level above Arwen. I'll, I'll give you that. Oh yeah, so, Arwen's a nobody next to her. She gives them all gifts before they leave. They get Limbus bread, which is this elven bread. Uh, supposedly, one bite can sustain a man for a full day. And uh, <laughs> Mary S. Pippin, or maybe it's vice versa. Have you tried any yet? And he says, "Yeah, I've already eaten three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is just a just a testament to the appetite that the the hobbits have. Yeah, they can eat three days worth of food in one sitting. Yeah, uh, they also get these hobbits get these cloaks, which is uh, a magical cloak where if you're, it's almost like a chameleon cloak. You can lean up against a wall and you'll turn into the wall or you can disguise yourself as a rock, things like that. Yeah, it helps camouflage you a bit. Uh, I think this is extended edition only, but they give Legolas a bow. Mm -hmm. Uh, They give the young hobbits, Merry and Pippin, they give them these daggers, uh, elven daggers. And then they give Sam 
a, a rope, elven rope, and he says, did you not have any more of those shiny new daggers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sam, <laughs> Sam's pretty disappointed with his gift. Yeah. It's this rope that can't break and can untie itself when you need it to. And, and to be fair, it really only comes into play once in the movie, once more in the movie. So uh, they use it twice. Does it? At least. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, maybe. Yeah. We, I don't want to get to it yet, but yeah, I think they use it twice. Yeah. Uh, that's more than most of these other things are used that I know of. Yeah. Um, and Gimli, she says, what would you ask of the elves? And he's, he changes his tune from the beginning. He says that she's the fairest elf he's ever seen. And all he wants to do is look at her one more time. And that's all he needs. What a romantic line. Yeah. Well, he, he asks for one lock of her hair. From she her, gives from him three. Golden head, yeah, and she gives him three, which is significant in the story because I think at some other point, an uh, some greedy uh, elf wanted a lock of her hair and she refused it to him, like in the backstory. But it doesn't come into play in the movie. But yeah, so and the dwarves and the elves are constantly at each other's throats, and this is really the this is really the point where Gimli turns and is like, he's he's back on team elf. Now yeah, he, he's he's. He's, his cold, hard dwarf uh, hatred of elves has kind of been melted away by her. Yeah, he's he's into her. Uh, he gets some hairs, and and Frodo gets uh, like this bottled water. It looks like it's the light of Arendelle. Yeah, and she says it will be a light for him in dark places. So yeah. it's like this uh, glass vial. Well, and it's actually and- it's actually water from that the mirror that she had him look into. Okay. So it's it's uh it's special because it contains the light of Arendil, which is like starlight, which helps illuminate uh, uh give him light in dark places, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's like it's like a flashlight. Yeah. So it's kind of a shitty gift. And we'll get into when he uses it later and how effective it is, but that's not for a good while. Yeah. But that's Frodo's gift. So they all set off down this river, and they've got to continue toward Mordor. They do dock their boats. Uh, Aragorn tells them they're going to sleep for the night. Legolas wants to leave. We get a funny little Sam and Frodo scene where Frodo's just sitting there looking sad, and Sam walks over and and puts his arm around him and says, Get some sleep, Mr. Frodo. I I know you haven't been sleeping. I've been watching you. Mm I know you haven't been eating. Sam's like uh, Sam's keeping tabs doting, on him, dotering over him. Yeah, he's keeping tabs on him. He's watching him. At yeah, all he's time. making sure he gets his rest, making sure he eats his vitamins. He loves him for sure. Yeah. Uh, um, the rest of the fellowship sets up camp around uh, the shore. Frodo somehow manages to just wander off all by himself. Uh, Boromir appears as well when they're wandering. And it's just the two of them alone, and very quickly Boromir gets a little rapey with, with Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Sam at on this case? Yeah, actually, I think in that scene, Sam tells Frodo tells Sam to get some sleep so he can go wander off. Yeah, so Frodo sort of wandered from the pack, and Boromir, in the guise of getting firewood, is picking up wood, going, "None of us should stray from the group, least of all you." And then he we start learning about Boromir's a little bit more that Boromir is, is much more taken by the ring than we thought. And he's saying, if you would, but lend me the ring, he's like, you sure you don't suffer 
needlessly. You know, I just ask for the strength to defend my people if you would but lend me the ring. And he's basically trying to convince Frodo to give him the ring at this point. Yeah, and they showed a scene before this that we didn't mention that Aragorn and Boromir have a discussion while Frodo's sleeping or supposedly sleeping. And and Boromir says, we have to take the ring to Gondor. What are you doing? You can save your people right now. Why do you think so poorly of your own people? And Aragorn tells him, I wouldn't take the ring within 100 miles of your city. Yeah. He calls Aragorn out for, he says, you're a coward and you're hiding. You've been hiding for years from your own people and yada, yada. So Boromir, Boromir believes what he's doing is, is the right thing to do. But we know that it's the ring. And it's a beautiful subtlety that the ring, the ring is like a, is like a 10th character, like a 10th partner on the, on the fellowship. Oh the yeah. Ring, it's its own character. Yeah. It's its own character. And it's, it subtly is drawing Boromir in and, and maybe even the other characters, we don't know how, how heavily it's working, but the important part is the Frodo can't Frodo feels like he can't trust anybody at this point. Boromir attacks Frodo. Uh, he doesn't like stab him or anything, but he just kind of chases after him, like bull rushes him trying to get the ring off his neck, uh, trying to escape. Frodo puts the ring on and he goes into that, uh, that windy watery place that we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. So he, he gets away from Boromir and he climbs to the top of these steps and he sees Mount Doom. He, he kind of, uh, they do some weird effects, but he zooms to, to the eyeball itself, yeah. which is literally hundreds of miles away. Yeah, and atop, atop the, the tower of, I believe it's Barador. So the, the tower in Mordor is called Barador, and at the top of it is the great flamed eye of Sauron who can see throughout the whole land. And he he looks at he's got the ring on and he looks and all of a sudden Sauron's eye like sees him and says I can see you. And, yeah, he tells Frodo I see. Yeah, and Frodo takes the ring off and like stumbles backwards and falls off of something onto the ground and and realizes that what he's been seeing is not actually there, but you know every yeah. To to Boromir's credit. He, uh, as he's chasing Frodo when he's invisible, he slips and falls and kind of ragdolls down the hill a little mm-hmm. bit. And when he gets down there, he, he snaps out of it and he says, what, what, Frodo? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So you can tell he was kind of under a spell there from, from the yeah. when he when he attacks Frodo. Um, Aragorn shows up after Frodo was just attacked by Boromir and Aragorn says, Frodo, I was, I was sworn to protect you. Why are you uh, recoiling from me because Frodo's backing away from him, telling him to stay away. Yeah. Uh, Frodo just kind of gives up for a minute, and he says, "Would you take the ring?" Yeah, he says, and he, he says, holds it out to. Can Aragorn. you protect me from yourself? Yeah, and then he says, "If you want to take it from me, here." And he he holds his hand out for Aragorn to take it, and Aragorn walks over and shows the restraint that Boromir did not have. Yeah, and he closes Frodo's fingers around the ring, and he says, "No." I understand why you don't trust anybody, yeah. but only you can be there. And in a, one of the most touching lines, like one of the best delivered lines, I feel like is when he says, I would have followed you into the very fires of Mordor. And like the way he said, yeah, he says, I would have gone with you to the very, yeah, end. into the very fires of Mordor. And he, the way that he says it is just so 
I don't know, just so perfectly done, I thought. And it's also cool the way they shoot that scene because I think the Hobbit is a like a child's hands, and you know Aragorn is Aragorn, but since the Hobbit is half the size of a man, they had to uh, have some perspective there. From and I think they were that closely paying attention to the details that they did something. Oh like yeah, that. well they had like a you know like uh, small people doing all the roles as well, so they in order to make. Whenever there were shots from their backs and stuff like that, it was you know small small people doing the acting and stuff. So it, they were they did look huge over top of them. They agree that Frodo has to go on by himself because he can't trust anyone else. So Frodo agrees to leave, and as they're kind of hugging it out before they separate, Aragorn notices that Sting, Frodo's sword, is glowing. Meaning uh, the orcs now know where he's at. I guess they're, they figured it out. When yeah, they're, they're near. The orcs are near. So Frodo runs away. Aragorn turns to fight. And you see probably 50 orcs or more. Urukai all cresting over this hillside in a great slow-mo shot. Aragorn's just got his sword there against a huge wave. Oh, yeah. Enemies. It's like, it's yeah, it, it looks like an insurmountable number of enemies and Aragorn just puts up his sword straight and is just like, all right, well, bring it on then. Aragorn fights off. He probably kills 10 or 12 of these orcs as he backs yeah, up he, the steps that Frodo was climbing earlier. He's just absolutely slaying them as they come up one by one. Yeah, just killing everyone. Legolas and Gimli show up as well. Uh, Legolas himself, he probably kills seven or eight orcs in about five seconds with his bow. Oh man, awesome shot is just shot, shot, shot. I love, death. I, yeah, I love that scene where he's just whipping out arrows as fast as he can pull them out and fire them off. He's just like thunk, 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 and he's just dropping, dropping orcs left and right with his quick pull and release. Yeah, it's a great, great fight scene from more awesome fighting from Legolas. Mm. Um, the other, the other Uruk-hai say, find the halflings, get the halflings. Find the halflings. Yeah, the leader tells him to find the halflings. Frodo's running down the hill, and he sees Merry and Pippin hiding, and he hides opposite the way. And Merry and Pippin say, come on, Frodo. Come with us. Come hide over here. And Frodo just shakes his head, and that's when they realize that he's leaving, and he's leaving without them. Mm-hmm. In, a, in an effort to help him, they Merry and Pippin run out, and they attract the attention of the Urukai. That's, the, this is the bravest part of their whole – one of the bravest parts of their whole uh, journey, I think, is they, they just kind of like, well, we're going to be the decoys, and we're just going to throw ourselves to the wolves here. Yep, and they do. Uh, they look like they're about to die. They are just standing there with their little daggers, and this gigantic uh, Urukai is right on top of them. But Boromir jumps in out of nowhere, and, and he knocks one away, and he kills them. And then this Boromir between the hobbits and this wave of Urukai, probably 15, 20 or more, just charging at them. And Boromir is picking them off one by one. I won't spoil it. While while Boromir is murdering these orcs, what are the hobbits doing? (laughs) They are throwing rocks at the the orcs. Effectively? Are they... Which is the stupidest thing ever because they're firing rocks at these orcs and and you can hear it hit the helmets and these um, orcs yeah these orcs death. are dropping these orcs are dropping like they just got sniped by like uh, by a SEAL team member. It's and because it, the hobbits are supernatural at throwing <laughs> rocks. 
Oh, now supernatural. That's what you're going with now. They're supernatural rock throwers. A baseball player throws a hundred. Hobbits are throwing twice that fast. Oh my god! With twice that's, the accuracy. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, dude. This, they're just. This is not in the. This is not in the books, by the way. This is definitely just you and Peter Jackson latching <laughs> onto one one rock throwing line. How many kills do you think the Hobbits got here with rocks? Two. There's two of them I counted. There's at least four or five. No, they they hit. They knock one, and it's like thong, and it hits his helmet, and I'm like. He's not dead. He's just unconscious. And then they do it again, and it's just it happens. Oh, yeah, like if he's twice. unconscious, two feet away from Boromir, and Boromir has this gigantic sword, it's I, as good as dead. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not effective. I'm just saying it's just unrealistic. It's <laughs> in a, in a, unrealistic. <laughs> unrealistic. In I realized as okay. soon as I said that, I realized how how crazy that <laughs> in this fantasy world, it's unrealistic. <laughs> In this world where a bunch of unrealistic stuff is happening, this is also happening, which is even more unrealistic. So between Boromir's excellent swordsmanship and the incredible rock <laughs> archery of the <laughs> hobbits, they stave off probably a dozen of these Uber Kai. Yeah, until, but, uh, but mainly Boromir. Let's just say that. You can say that. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Boromir finally takes one in the chest, an arrow. And it's a... Uh, Thick arrow. I always notice that those arrows, these zero. Yeah, they're big. They're big. It's yeah. like a tree branch. Yeah, it's like it, it would do some damage. It's amazing because he ends up taking like four of them. I think three. Uh, he, he takes he takes one. He keeps fighting. Uh, yeah. He takes a second. He turns toward the hobbits and they get a good look in his face as he as he's about to die. Yeah, but and... he turns back and fights again. But then he takes a third one. It looks like it's right in the heart. That's so the, uh, that's the one that does it. Yeah, he drops to his knees. The hobbits get pissed off again, and they charge at the Uruk-hai. Uh Lucky for them, they were they were demanded to be delivered to Saruman unspoiled. I think is what yeah, he says. Yeah, unspoiled, alive and unspoiled. So they're not allowed to kill these hobbits. So they captured Merry and Pippin. Boromir is there on his knees, and uh, the lead Urukai lurks is about two feet away from him with his gigantic bow. Yeah. And it gets uh, really quiet as he pulls back the bow, and you can yeah. hear the creak of the bow. And he's getting ready to just give him a direct headshot. Yeah, Boromir is completely defenseless. He's got three in his chest already. He's just waiting, of, he's just waiting on his knees for, the, for death. Yeah. Uh, out of nowhere, Aragorn jumps out and uh, deflects the shot and starts fighting Lurts. And this may be the best... One on one fight in the entire series, Aragorn against Lurts, straight up. Yeah, uh, they start off with a sword fight, but Lurts quickly gets the upper hand. He's got uh, superior strength. He throws Aragorn up against the tree, and then he pins him to the tree with his shield. By... That's that's my favorite part. Yeah, he throws the shield and pins him to the tree. He charges with his sword to behead Aragorn, and and he ducks out of the way just in time. They start brawling. They're they're throwing punches, uh, headbutts. Lurch picks up Aragorn and headbutts him. Uh, Aragorn stabs him in the leg so that Lurch will let him go. Lurch pulls out the dagger and licks the black blood off of it in yeah. a disgusting way. And then he, he heaves it at him like a, uh, like a dagger. He, he heaves it at him. Luckily, he's not a hobbit, so... Aragorn is able to 
to bat the dagger away. Oh yeah, he weird baseball. Yeah, he baseball swings the dagger and and hits it somewhere over the green monster in Fenway. Yeah, it's it's awesome. He he uh, really knocks it out of the park. So Lurch runs at him to finish him off. Aragorn cuts his arm off. Uh, that doesn't even stop Lurch. So Aragorn stabs him right through the chest with his sword. And then this is the craziest part. Instead of uh, showing any pain, Lurtz grabs the sword himself and impales yeah. himself further just to, onto the sword. Just to pull Aragorn closer to him to like have a chance to strangle him or do whatever. And he, he roars in his face like, you can't hurt me, human. Just like growling in his face. Aragorn pulls the sword out and beheads him. Yeah. And finally Lurtz is dead. It's only about a 30 second fight, but it yeah, is it's awesome. It's not a long fight, but it's super intense. Yeah, they, they do a good job with it. Oh, I love that fight, man. It's the best. The fight choreography in general is just really well done in the whole movie. It's it's not it's not over impressed over impressive or flourishy, but it's just real, you know. It seems real to you, you know. It just Yeah. Well, I like that that fight was so short because you would think a sword fight to the death with two gigantic things like a man and a Urukai would not take very long. You know, whoever gets the upper hand is going to win the fight pretty quickly, you would think. Yeah. And it, it is quick and it's it's short and sweet. It's really good. And Aragorn wins it and then and then he rushes back to the body of uh Boromir and has probably one of the most touching scenes in the entire film. Yeah, uh Boromir asks for forgiveness. Uh, he he tells Aragorn that he tried to steal the ring from Frodo and he was really sorry. Um, Aragorn forgives him and he says, I'll never let your city fall as long as I live. Yeah. Uh, because Boromir asked him to take up the mantle as the king of Gondor. Yeah, he says, I would have followed you, my captain, my king. And uh, yeah, he kind of, in that one moment, accepts uh, Aragorn as the great king that he is and the leader whereas he was sort of reticent to do that in the beginning so Boromir finally dies uh, Legolas and Gimli walk up and, and they, they see it they're all sad they ask where Sam and Frodo are or where Frodo is and uh, Aragorn says I let him go he's leaving he's going by himself so Gimli says well I guess the, the fellowship has failed then that we're broken uh, Aragorn gets a little bit bossy here for my taste. He, he's like, no, we're going to, we're going to hunt hobbits and you bitches are coming with me. Well, he doesn't ask them if they want to go. He's, he demands that they go. Yeah. Well, he's, uh, he's the leader after Gandalf dies. I mean, that, I guess that should be known, but he says, not if we stay true to ourselves, we will not let Merry and Pippin suffer the fate of torture at the hands of the orcs, you know, and you know he he knows that he knows that they're on board. He's just he's just rallying them, you know, because they think. Well, lucky for him, they are on board, and a different dwarf might not take uh, orders quite so quickly. <laughs> well, uh, I, Gimli. It's hard to imagine. Proposed, it's hard to imagine a dwarf more stubborn than Gimli. I don't know. He's sweet now after meeting Galadriel. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. He's soft now. Yeah, big softy. But. And and Legolas saved his life with the beard thing, so they're they're buddy. He's cool now. Yeah, they're a true uh, they're a true fellowship now. Aragorn proposes that they go save the hobbits, and Gimli says, "Yes, let's go." And, uh, hunt Legolas, some 
Legolas gives the faintest smile, which is the only emotion you see. And so the three of them are setting up for the next movie by running for days across some lands trying to hunt down uh, Merry and Pippin. But that's not the last scene because Frodo gets in the canoe and he's leaving. Uh, he, he looks back and he sees Sam chasing after him. Mr. Frodo, Mr. Frodo, don't leave me. Don't leave me. We haven't seen Sam since he, since Frodo put him to bed yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Sam refuses to, to stay on the shores he wades into the water to go after Frodo. Oh, and Frodo he, says, Sam, he says, you can't swim. Also, one of the great lines where he goes, no, Sam, I'm going to Mordor alone. And he goes, I know you are, Mr. Frodo, and I'm coming with you. Yeah, <laughs> is, yeah he's like, oh, yeah, I know you're going alone. Yeah, I'm coming you're going you. alone. We're both you're going, going alone with me, though. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes into the water. Frodo says, Sam, you can't swim, but Sam keeps going. Sam just immediately starts drowning. He can't even swim a little bit. Yeah. He just basically walks into the water and drowns. Yeah. How... And here you get another stupid MacGuffin where you're like, oh, Sam's dead. Nope. Frodo right. just Snatches him at the last second. Yeah, that was kind of like, also, how did he get that deep into the water if he couldn't swim? Like, you're just walking out there. You can't, you can't, walk, <laughs> you can't walk into water that deep. You eventually either start floating or you sink, you know, like, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, it was dumb. And they wasted several minutes they could have used on some of these extended scenes. Yeah. And in the movie theater cut, I, I even thought, wow, he's going to let him die. Frodo's a piece <laughs> of shit. But then, no, Frodo saves Sam and pulls him up on the boat. And Sam's all wet. And they have a, a notebook scene where Frodo and Sam on this romantic canoe and Sam's all wet. And Frodo says, game why'd you do it sam you can't even swim and sam says mr gandalf told me to protect you i made a promise i mean mean to yeah i made a promise oh yeah he says he said don't you leave him sanwise don't you abandon him and i don't intend to he's down for frodo for life and frodo wanted to do this alone but he's so happy he can't help it he's smiling he's looking at at sam and in the eyes they Really were in love with each yeah. other, so they got to go together. If they'd have kissed at that moment, I probably would have been, not even really noticed. I'd have been like, yeah. Wouldn't even have been. Yeah, I've been like, yeah, that's what's but about to happen. They cross the uh, the river, and they start climbing some mountains, and they crest over this huge hill, and that is when they can see Mordor off in the distance. Yeah, like the smoke and, and the fire of it all. Yeah, they're, they're at the top of some really high mountains. So it's they're still a long way away. But they can see what lies ahead. Uh, Frodo says, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm glad you're with me, Sam. And and Sam says, me too, Frodo. And <laughs> Frodo walks onward a little bit. Uh, Sam stays behind. He, uh, he, he checks him out. And then he gives him a look that I can only describe as hungry. <laughs> Sam has just got this look on his face as the movie ends, like, oh yeah. Or like, oh, I can't wait thirst, to get into Thirsty, that. as the kids would say. It's really, I'm not even making this up. Like the face that he makes when Frodo walks away, I couldn't help but yeah. laugh. He's just like, Oh yeah, baby. I want to get that mean you. <laughs> oh know. yeah, baby. I want them apple dumplings. <laughs> he wants that Frodo dumpling. <laughs> yeah. So to set up for the next movie, we got Frodo and Sam off on their own, uh, headed toward Mordor. Mordor. Gandalf is dead. 
uh, Boromir is dead. Legolas, Aragorn, and Gimli are in pursuit of the captive Merry and Pippin. Who've been taken by the Orakai. Yes, and they're heading to Isengard where Saruman is building an mm-hmm. army. So that's setting up for the two towers. What do you did you have a favorite line from the fellow? I mean, I think I already said all of them for the most part. Uh, let me look back here. Oh, one of my favorite lines comes when uh <clears throat> when uh, Gimli is in the um, Balin's th- uh, tomb, and he yeah. says, "Let them come. There is one dwarf in Moria who still draws breath." And then, of course, uh, so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. I think that's just, like, really good life advice, so I like that one. And and one more note about Gimli, even though he says, let them come. In every fight in this movie, he's just flopping around on the ground. I mean, he, he kills, like, one or two to every 20 that everyone else kills. He's, yeah. he's mostly worthless. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, he's not, uh, he's definitely not as deadly as, as, uh, uh, his, as Legolas, Legolas his counterpart, who he ends up getting into a, a counting contest with later. But it, he actually does pretty well in the counting contest, which I, I was impressed with. But he's better than the Hobbits, at least, yeah. you know, he's deadlier than the Hobbits. Unless, of course, Unless, of course, uh, they've got a rock in their hand. Yeah, unless they're... Well, if there's a rock rocks. nearby, watch out. The hobbits could have took over Middle-earth if they'd have lived in a quarry. So my favorite line did come from Gimli, or at least uh, the funny line. It's uh, Aragorn. He, he says we should do... The, he wants to suggest what they do. But he says, but I noticed no one asked me what we wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. And Ar- Aragorn says, recover your strength, Master Dwarf. Well, then the, a scene or two later, it shows Gimli explaining to the hobbits, he says, recover your strength. Huh? Pay no heed, young hobbits. Like He's just dying to save face around these hobbits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you ask me, and I know that no one is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other line I had was when Gandalf says, there's more to this hobbit than meets the eye. And I usually pick a funny line, but in this case, I like that one because it's it goes with the uh, the idea that you shouldn't judge anything based on what you see alone. It should be based off things that you might not be able to see. Yeah. And so in this case, the Hobbit looks like the weakest creature in the room. He actually well, and is. I think that's a that's a huge theme for this story in general is the idea of people that are considered not important and powerless become the most important people in, in the world sort of. And it's the idea of like, don't count out the little guy because the little guy plays a part too. All right. So let's wrap this one up. Uh, let's, let's give it some grades here. What, what kind of grades do you have for the second half of fellowship of the ring? Well, I got to say felt the second half of fellowship of the other rings is uh, maybe one of the better halves of the Lord of the ring movies. Uh, the, the, of all the whole collection. So I think I'm going to give it a uh, 19 out of 20 rancid tacos. That is tied for your highest grade yet of mm-hmm. all the movies we've done. Yeah. Yeah. That's up there. So you're putting Midsummer and, and fellowship of the ring part two on, on par. Well, no, definitely not. Like uh, I'm, I'm always grading on a curve. Okay. So Midsummer is not the movie compared to, uh, Lord of the Rings, I don't think it's not in the same, uh, you can't put them in the same classification. 
like uh, Midsommar in the horror genre classification is it's like an extremely watchable movie. And in the psychological thriller uh, genre, it's, it's an extremely watchable movie. But if I was going to put these two movies up next to each other, you know, if, if I was just grading them as movies, I would probably move Midsommar down like a couple points. Or you could just give Lord of the Rings a 20 like I'm about to do. You're going to give out another 20? Yes, it's it's one of my favorite movies, and my favorite movies are going to get 20s from me. Oh, uh, my God. Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite of the three, I think. And the second half is my favorite half of the Fellowship. It's got great battle scenes. Uh, all the Fellowship is together. It's yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. It is, it is definitely uh, one of the better halves of the Lord of the Rings movies, for sure. But at 20 out of 20, I mean, that's that's just you're saying perfection, man. Like uh, it I mean, is. It's perfection. Most, most wise men say that perfection is unattainable. And here you are just handing perfection out to all these to Peter Jackson, of all people, you know, just there's nothing about this movie I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's it's a pretty awesome movie. Yeah, so it, it gets. A should I go? Should I go? Should I move it to nineteen and a half? Like uh, you know? Like, no, no. You bitched <laughs> me for for giving a half the other uh, in one, and you guilted what? me into something. I've given halves before. I'm pretty sure. Maybe half and half. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I disagree. It's a it's a Sopranos reference. Uh, some prostitute goes to Junior Soprano and says, "Hey, I'll give you half and half for twenty bucks." So I'm assuming it's like half handy and half blowjob or something. I don't know. She was a whore, Tony. <laughs> if we ever do a Sopranos podcast, every episode gets a 20 out of 20 also. Oh, yeah. It's like this episode was, <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's as good as the last one, but it also gets a 20. Yeah. Just by association. Yep. No, well, that's how I feel like if I'm rating the if I'm rating the Lord of the Rings overall throughout the whole thing, which we should do at the end is just rate it all as one movie too. Uh, it's it's it might get my twenty. It may get my twenty. I'm not saying I'm going to hand out twenties, but it may go to twenty. Don't be so stingy. Well, I just when you do, when you hand out a twenty, you're just saying that nothing better can come along. It's like a hopeless venture doing that. It's depressing. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. You grade it how you want. I've gone lower than you as well. I, I gave the Irishman a nine. Oh yeah. Then so that, I've, that's, I've got a range. That's, that's the first sub ten performance, I think, isn't it? Yeah. You know why I think you're not gonna give it a twenty? What? I think why? you might be racist. <laughs> you, <laughs> you must Listen. be racist toward orcs or Uber Kai or something. <laughs> no one's gonna get that reference. Because we didn't air Get Out, all right? I think we mentioned it on the award show. Yeah, we mentioned it on the award show. but uh, You guilted me into raising my grade on Get Out, which never never yeah. made the air. That was, that was your white guilt when you raised the grade. It showed that you had white guilt and you were racist towards the movie. And just the fact that you altered your grade proved me right. Well, all right. And so I'm, I'm throwing it back at you, man. I guess you need your grades spoon-fed to you. <laughs> Shut up. If you use if you use one more of my lines, that's it. All right. So we got a 19 out of 20 and a 20 out of 20. And next up, we've got the two towers. Oh that's yeah. Be here sooner rather than later. A lot of great stuff happens in the two towers. Yeah, and we meet... tried really hard not to spoil anything. Yeah, and we meet some pretty interesting characters. Uh, some of my favorites, which are the Ents, which we'll get into. Yeah, <laughs> and it's too bad Gandalf's dead. 
Yeah, Gandalf died horribly in the pit of of what do we call it? The the uh, pit of nothingness. I think you you settled yeah. on the everlasting bottomless, bottomless pit of nothingness. Yeah, he's dead. He starved to death while he was falling infinitely. <laughs> yeah, zero zero chance he returns. No, no chance at all. And same with Boromir. He he really is dead. Yeah, he's he's definitely not coming back. All right, so email us feedback at rantedtacopodcast at gmail.com. And let's say a quick uh, hail Melkor and hail Payman. Hail Melkor. Hail, hail Payman. Payman. <laughs> <laughs> well, that ensured a good episode. Yeah, it's, it should be great. All right, well then, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next week. See you later. Everyone loves movies, from Webster to Morocco. Who needs rotten tomatoes when you've got the rancid tacos?